Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. It's three past nine here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for Smithy. He is, as you will have heard, uh, on breakfast earlier with Louis and Kempe. Off to the T20 World Cup to be part of the commentary team for Sky Sports. Uh, so I'm Smithy for the meantime. For the meantime, at least. Uh, so, coming up today, uh, we're going to be talking basketball shortly. Modi Mayor, the uh, head coach of the New Zealand Breakers, man, they've had a great start to the season. Three game winning streak. He's going to join us, and we will talk about that. We will also uh, catch up with Simon Hampton from the Third and Five podcast. Going to talk NFL with him and Major League Baseball, the playoffs there, Major League Baseball. Uh, some of the big dogs uh, have bowed out pretty early on, and uh, we have the Evil Empire against the cheating Houston Astros to decide one half of it. We'll talk to him about that. We've got Kevin Hare coming up after 10 o'clock to talk Heartland Rugby. The Meads Cup and Lahore Cup finals are this weekend on the panel. Ben Strang from RNZ, David Long from Stuff, join us. We'll talk a bunch of uh, broad sports there. And then we will also catch up with Sean West. Well, when I say we, uh, producer Logan is going to catch up with Sean West. He is a franchise manager for PGA Tour 2K23. Uh, Basically, which are the studios that develop this golf game? Uh, that you can play, and uh, Lydia Ko is going to feature in that, so Logan is going to catch up with him after 11 o'clock. Time for a Ricardo Reckons. Haven't done one of these in a while, but since first day back, I thought I'd better get my A and a G. And uh, news coming out of Europe this morning suggests that the European Super League could become a reality as early as the 2024-25 season in an expanded format to include 20 of Europe's top teams in a mirror of the Premier League model. Now, fan backlash against this last year was massive and resulted in all the English teams pulling out of plans to join and they're now legally hobbled from being able to be a part of any league going forward. Real Madrid president Florentino Perez and Juventus owner Andrea Agnelli are the main drivers of the new venture as the Premier League generates more money than La Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga or Ligue 1 can manage and they want a chunk of that. But in my opinion... The way this has been proposed is anti-competitive. The European Super League will be a closed shop, with no up-and-coming, well-run clubs allowed in, while creaking giants will be able to clip the ticket each season, regardless of results or performances. Just this season in the Champions League, Juventus, Barcelona and AC Milan are all looking like they're eliminated at the group stage. Proof, if any is needed, that a closed shop is a bad idea for the sport and for the in inverted commas, product, as I'm sure these owners like to consider it. It also denies the likes of Club Brugge, 
RB Salzburg and Shakhtar Donetsk the opportunity to one, make money uh, for the club and two, for a moment to have their moment in the sun for players and for fans alike. I hope UEFA and FIFA see sense on this and ban the clubs and the players from their competitions going forward if they give in to greed and follow this path. Time to talk basketball now and joining us from the New Zealand Breakers is Modi Mayor, the uh, head coach. How are you doing, Modi? Hey, hey, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, man. Uh, probably not as good as you are, though, after this uh, three, three-win three uh, streak that you guys have got going. A uh, great way uh, for the season to start. Yeah, I mean, it's a positive, but we're not getting ahead of ourselves. It's early days. It is early days, but you've had a few obstacles that you've had to overcome. One of those, of course, being Tom Abercrombie and not being able to basically, yeah, you know, have one of your biggest pieces involved with that eye injury. How's that affected what you wanted to do with the team this season? How have you had to sort of pivot to, to work without him? Yeah, missing Tommy's huge for us. You know, we're a new team with a lot of changeover and a lot of young guys. So the first thing that you ha- you have when you have Tom is a, you know, a bona fide leader and a vet and somebody who knows the league. And you know, we definitely miss him from this regard. Uh, we miss his defensive versatility. Um at the three spot, so we've kind of been jiggling between different lineups and different starters, kind of tailoring ourselves to the opponent from this regard. Um, hopefully we get him back soon. We really miss him. Have you got any, I know that he couldn't fly for, what was it, for seven weeks. Um, have, have you got any ETA on when he might be available, at least for home games? Yeah, so not really. It's a tricky injury, so basically there's a gas bubble in his eye, mm. and this gas bubble can disappear at any moment. So it's getting smaller and smaller every day, but there's no timetable on when it will completely disappear and then he can join us on the floor. Mm. You mentioned that you've uh, got a a reasonably new team. Um, Recruitment this season has certainly been different from the last couple of seasons. How involved were you in the recruitment? How involved was Matt Walsh? And what lessons do you think have been learned from the previous couple of seasons? We work as, as a team. We work as a unit. Everybody in the front office, Matt and me included, um, we put out a vision of kind of how we wanted the team to play and went and recruited in accordance. Uh, the two big issues for us or the two big things we wanted to tackle was one, our local core. Wanted to bring back um, some very good Kiwi players who care about the place and want to represent the Breakers in a certain way. And the other thing we're looking for is people that are real competitive and defenders and by nature. And I'm happy that so far it looks like those two things have been accomplished. Well, last game out, you kept the Hawks to 62 points. So you've got to say that, you know, um, the defenders that you've looked at, that you've recruited, and the way that you've got your your, uh, your game without the ball running, uh, it must make you pretty happy. Yeah, um, like I said, early days. So I'm trying to not get ahead of myself. Um, I have a big challenge today against Southeast Melbourne, and then another good one against Cairns, and then another one good one against Adelaide. The NBL just keeps coming and coming. Um, but yeah, when, when you have a foundation defensively, when you have a, a, a shot at every game, and that's kind of how we feel, that whoever we go play against, we can go and win. You beat the Phoenix 85-77 in Melbourne last week. Uh, how much can you take from that into this game, given they're only a week apart? Yeah, so it's, it really is just a week, but in that period of time, we've played another game. Southeast basically had a week to prepare. Um, they're also getting back 
um, their import point guard, Gary Brown. So they will be a little bit different. Another week of training under their belt and another week of basically just thinking about us and preparing to us where we haven't had that privilege. Um, but we like our foundation. We like who we are. We know who they are. At the end of the day, it's a team that's kept its key pieces also from the previous season. So it should be a good one. Yeah, it should be a good one. Uh, of course, uh, this is uh, this game is tonight at uh, Trust Arena as well, away from your two usual uh, stomping grounds of Event Finder and uh, and Spark. Uh, how's that affect you guys, if at all? You know, everything in life is in perspective. So at least it's not in Tasmania. So I'm happy to be in Tasmania. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah, well, I mean that's a great point. It's it's not in Tasmania. Um, you got your guys uh, last season. Obviously, you, you know it was it was a real struggle. COVID impacted, injuries impacted. The fact you weren't able to come home impacted. Um, but you guys have actually been really good on the road this season. Is it, how's how's the travel challenge been tackled this time around? Given that you didn't have it last season in a way, it's honestly very challenging. I forgot how tough it is. Um, the trips are long, and it's something that basically only we need to deal with. Other teams don't. We have a phenomenal medical and performance staff in place that kind of put all the processes around recovery and refueling and re-energizing. Um, and the other thing is you, know, you just take it in stride. It is what it is. These are the circumstances. You need to perform under these circumstances. Um, we don't make excuses. And I think that's a big part of it too. Uh, you, you had to play uh, last week without Barry Brown Jr., hamstring injury. How far away is he? If he's not going to play today. Um cautiously hopefully plays the next one against Cairns mm-hmm. um, so it's not too bad but not quite ready yet uh, Will McDowell White has uh, been outstanding so far this season I think what did he go 17 10 and 6 last time out um, how are you working with him uh, and, and you know working him into the into the team into the with with the new lineup that you've got and you know just keeping that development going too yeah we believe in Will uh, we built this team with Will in mind. Uh, basically, our three main guards are Will, Isaiah, who's also been fantastic, and Barry. Um, and he needs to stay. There's no skill gap with Will. Uh, he can shoot. He can pass. He can make every shot. He can make every read. With him, it's about staying aggressive, being in the moment, staying in attack mode. Um, and as long as he stays that way, plays aggressive and free, he's just fantastic. We've talked about some of the um, experienced guys you've got, you know, and been you're having to do without too, you know, Barry Brown Jr. and Tom Abercrombie, Rob Lowe, obviously in the team, but mm-hmm. you know, you got uh, some great young players. Will one of them, uh, Alex McNaught, really uh, impressed last time out against uh, Southeast Melbourne as well. I mean, you know, how are you how are you managing these guys' game times and um, and I guess the development of some of these younger players? Yeah, Alex is a feel good story, isn't it? Mm. Uh, six months ago, he was working at, at Bunnings. Now he's playing on the floor in Melbourne and John Kane Arena and helping us win. I mean, there's, this is twofold. One, the NBL season is long and everything can happen and people need to stay ready and you kind of need to be ready at any kind of moment to step in and contribute. And the other thing is that you, we recruit on and people know their role. Like when you come into the breakers now, you kind of know what you're going to expect and what you're going to get. Um, you perform in practice. Your role changes. We'll give you another opportunity, but we have a team that cares about winning and not so much about the individual part. 
When you talk about uh, you know uh, working together as a team and and, and your squad, um, Sam Timmins is a guy that at SCNZ is pretty close to our hearts because of the uh, old SCNZ Otago Nuggets, and he had a great season with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much game time do you see him getting this season a, a, as part of that squad rotation? Yeah, Sammy's a great talent, and we he's very close to our hearts too. He's a very important piece for us as a person and as a player. He's our third string five men. Um, Derek is playing great. Rob is playing great. Usually you play with two fives in a rotation. Um, he's going to kind of wait for his opportunity to arise. This can come from injury. This can come from foul trouble. Or this can be in one of those games where we meet one of those big centers in the NBL, like Aaron Baines and stuff like this, or maybe even today with Joe Ching. Yeah, it's going to be um, – I mean, it's, it is a long season, and it is, I guess – it feels like a bit of a grind at times. From a coaching point of view, how do you keep guys mentally on uh, when you, you know, like it is so attritional? Well, at the moment, it doesn't feel like a grind. You know, we're in the beginning. We're all excited and we're looking forward to see how good we can be and how we can meet these challenges. So from this regard, it's not so tough. Um, I think the most important part is to bring in people that love us truly love the game, love competing, love playing, and that makes everything kind of a we just lost you there at the end there, Modi. Uh, but uh, I, I was going to ask you too, uh, we saw the NBA season tip off yesterday. Uh, the Celtics got up over the 76ers and the Warriors beat the Lakers. Saw over 450 points scored in those two NBA games, uh, which just seems like you know <laughs> yeah. Harlem Globetrotters all-star type stuff. Is that indicative of the way the game's going, or do you think that's just early season? I think part of it is early season, um, and part of it is the way the NBA is going and the way the NBA treats the regular season. Um, I think we value kind of every win a little bit more. We're there. There's about 82 games and big picture and stuff like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, mate. Looking forward to it. Modi, best of luck tonight against the Phoenix again up at Trust Stadium in, in West Auckland. Uh, fingers crossed uh, next time we're talking to you. Uh, it's 4-1, and one and, uh, and we're continuing on that winning way, eh? Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. Yeah, will do. Uh, Modi Mayor, the uh, head coach of the New Zealand Breakers uh, with us. And Logan, I know that uh, you're a, a big Breakers fan as well. Are you, are you heading out to Trust tonight, mate? Uh, I would like to, but I mean, usually with this job, I like to have a, a decent bedtime, you know. I thought you were up all night gaming. <laughs> no. No. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. There we go. It's 17 past nine. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. If uh, anything that uh, uh, Modi brought up there on the NBA or on the NBL and the, the Breakers side uh, piqued your interest, give us a call 0800 150 811 or 8833. Or even anything on uh, the old Ricardo Reckons. Uh, Super League in European football. What do you think? Uh, we'll come back with those and update all the scores for you from the live sport after this. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.22 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ and great to hear from Modi Mayor uh, earlier and, and I think it really spelt out that the club, Matt Walsh particularly, had learned their lessons from the last two seasons. They I think they tried to pivot away from what the previous owners had done in terms of the way the roster was made up and they learned their lesson from that. 
Um, and it's uh, yeah, positive signs for the breakers ahead of the season. Tickets are available for that game tonight at Trust Stadium in West Auckland for the game against the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Uh, that uh, you can, I think you can just get tickets if you just walk up, so there'll be tickets available for that one. Uh, like I said, they did beat them 85-77 last time out. Mitch Creek, important for the Phoenix. They kept them to mm. 20 points last time. Can they do it again, Logan? I hope so. I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of... Mitch Creek for certain reasons I will not get into on air, but no, I mean huge challenge there. Of course, you know Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. You know they're usually one of the teams that are kind of up there when you do have the likes of Mitch Creek, but then it's backed up with like uh, Adam. He's really good from the three point range as well. It's just it's it's a great matchup, and the fact that they've already played them once and and beat them on their side of turf, of, of the turf. And the fact that, you know, the Breakers have previously struggled in Melbourne. They just That was the one place they couldn't win was in Melbourne. Mm. They've broken that back now. They almost did it twice because they almost beat Melbourne United, right, let's be yeah. fair. Let's not even talk about the shot clock uh, controversy <laughs> there. Uh, they potentially could have been 4-0 to start the season. So, I mean, they're going great guns. And, I mean... The big thing, uh, I was going to call you Smithy. Smithy, okay, sure, whatever, whatever. <laughs> just don't call me late for dinner, I'm fine. Good. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, the big thing here, Rick Dog, is talking about the identity of the team, right? And you, you sort of touched on that, mm. bringing in the guys that they have now. Having Tom Vidanovich is, is a key part there. I'm really glad that they brought him over from the Sydney Kings after the season he's had here in the NBL. And, the you know, just really bringing back that break his identity, that New Zealand identity that's been missing for the last couple of years. It's nice to see that we're starting to see signs of that. We're seeing younger guys like Alex McNaught come through. you got Sam Timmons there on the bench just waiting for his chance to have a crack at it as well. So, yeah, I, I'm really buzzed about this season. I liked his, uh, his answer about Sam Timmons as well. It's close to our hearts as well. Did you enjoy that? I did. <laughs> yeah, that was good. It was good. Uh, so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll continue to watch the breakers. Uh, Tony Ito on screen at the moment, uh, being interviewed post-match. Rugby League World Cup on, of course, at the moment. And uh, here's the head coach of the Cook Islands. They've just got up over Wales, 18-12, to 12, the Cooks. So great result for them. And uh, it really puts them uh, in an interesting position. Of course, they are in the same pool as PNG and Tonga. So uh, can they get one over the Kumals and qualify for the quarterfinals? It'll be all on from here. Of course, the Kumals are losing yesterday to Tonga in a tight one, 24-18. to 18. Uh, There's also been a uh, bunch of Premier League games on this morning. Uh, one is continuing at the moment. Manchester United, seven minutes into the second half, lead Spurs by a goal to nil. Earlier today, uh, we saw Southampton get their first win in seven. They beat Bournemouth 1-0 away with a Shea Adams strike. Brentford held Chelsea to a nil-all draw in a London derby. Liverpool uh, got one up against West Ham. They won 1-0 through Darwin Nunez. And Newcastle United beat Everton 1-0. Miguel Almiron scoring for them. Arsenal Man City was supposed to play today, but that was postponed because Arsenal PSV was postponed because the Queen died earlier and they needed to make that game up. So they postponed this game so they could play that game. Uh, man, there's not getting any less games, Logan. It is an absolute log jam at the moment. Yeah, and that World Cup is creeping up really fast, isn't it? I just Four weeks. Yeah, uh, God, it's it's the year of of 
the World Cups, isn't it? There's so many on now. And there's more just around the corner, like the FIFA World Cup plus the Softball World Cup here in New Zealand, and you got the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand next year as well. So there's yeah. so much to look forward to there. Actually, the draw for that is done on Saturday night here in Auckland. Uh, so that'll be interesting. I, I did see uh, some some rumours kicking about that uh, FIFA have this thing called FIFA Legends where they get ambassadors who are formerly top internationals uh, to come and do things at different places. I saw a rumour that there's a former England international who is an official FIFA legend, uh, former Premier League player, is going to be in town for that. I'm not sure who that is, but I've heard rumours. So. Do you have your fingers crossed it's uh, a Man United legend there too, Obviously, Ricardo? obviously. I know it's not David Beckham. And there's a few others you can rule out, but uh, it'd be interesting to see who it is. I did see that Alan Shearer was uh, did, a, did a cross with Sky Sports UK from the States about four or five days ago. So I wonder if he's on tour with FIFA. Could be one to keep an eye on. We'll have to we'll have to have to see what happens uh, on that front. It is uh, 28 past nine here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Uh, Chris texted through earlier saying. Uh, don't agree with Super League, but Champions League format from next season is not great either. It's all about money, and I don't see any of the smaller teams benefiting from the new format. No, I agree with you, Chris. I, I think the new format is a mess. The current format makes complete and utter sense. Uh, I really like the current format, and the fact that we're seeing in the current format uh, clubs like you know Club Brugge, the Belgian champions, they are top of a group that includes Atletico Madrid and Porto. Um, so you're seeing those clubs that are well run uh, and being rewarded for the way they've been run and uh, I think that is only a good thing but they do not like the Super League idea at all we'll have to see where that goes because there has been some talk uh, UEFA have floated it uh, that any clubs that take part in this will be banned from their competitions, which would mean no Champions League. It would potentially also ban them from, because UEFA sanction all the leagues, from playing in their own national leagues. So can you imagine Real Madrid-Barcelona go, we're going to do this European Super League, and then they can't play in La Liga anymore? <laughs> that is a poten- that is a potential knock-on effect. So no doubt it'll end up in the court of arbitration. It is, um, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a sticky one. But we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that and we'll see what happens from here. One thing uh, I'm keen to get your thoughts on here, Ricardo. Uh, news across the ditch in the football world that's been uh, quite con- concerning is Brisbane Raw closing down their youth academy. There, what are your mm. thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, Brisbane Raw. The the club ownership, I think, needs to be looked at. There, I, I think they're doing they're doing a few things that aren't great. Uh, that is one of them. I mean, for an A League club to not have a youth system is tantamount to commercial suicide, right? You know, the one thing that these clubs should be doing is producing their own talent because all these clubs will pretty much all of them will run at a loss most seasons, and one of the ways that they can keep themselves, not keep themselves afloat, it's probably a bit strong, but that they can keep cash flow coming is developing good young players and selling them on for a profit and then reinvesting that in their teams. That is how Central Coast Mariners work and they're doing a great job. I think in the last two seasons, Central Coast Mariners have developed eight players that have gone on to play in their first team and then have gone on to Australian honours, played Australian under-20s, things like that. Uh, They've moved players overseas, they've sold players overseas, so they're good. Adelaide are another um, great example of that. Adelaide United do that really, really well. So, yeah, I, I, unfortunately, if these owners stay with Brisbane and, and it continues as is, I can see the Brisbane rule going to the wall and the A-League potentially having to bail them out. 
Good times. Good times. Good, good times, great taste, as they say. Uh, it is up past nine here on SENZ. When we come back, Simon Hampton from the 3rd and 5 podcast is going to join us. We're going to talk US sport. Right now, though, time for news and sport with Aroha. Twenty-six away from ten o'clock here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith, Smithy away on T Twenty World Cup duty. So Ricardo Ball, and for him and joining us out of the US from the Third and Five podcast is Simon Hampton. G'day, Simon. How you doing? Good, Ricardo. Good to speak to you. Yeah, good to speak to you too, mate. Uh, pretty busy where you are at the moment. I mean, we're, we're in the postseason of Major League Baseball. The NBA's just tipped off, and we're right in the thick of the NFL season. Uh, lots going on. Yeah, we were just talking about it on our on our podcast that we just recorded um, a few hours ago. I think one of us, um, and I think the other guys are actually listening in at the moment. So um, you've got a bit of an audience in, in Brooklyn, but one of the guys a spike is in our the... in our listenership from the US. That's right. That's right. Um, one of the guys is heading along to to the Nets opening day, opening game tonight against the Pelicans at Barclays Center. Um, me and Dave, the other hosts, were at Yankee Stadium for Game Five last night. So, yeah, with that in the NFL, there's um, a fair bit on for the next few weeks. Yeah, now the uh, the Evil Empire got out of jail, didn't they, mate? Against the Guardians, I mean, they were two one down in that in that series, and they managed to get it uh, back to New York and win the decider. So uh, they go up against um, the Cheats from Houston. Um, it's kind of it's 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 kind of hard to like anybody out of that side of the draw. I think uh, every, everybody's pretty much uh, on the on the uh, National League teams, aren't they? Yeah, I think everyone wants outside of Houston and New York wants. Um, basically both teams in the American League to lose somehow and would kind of like the Phillies-Padres to just be the World Series, I think. But um, I think that's, that's spot on. And, and they are sort of, you know, I can understand it a little bit. There are two teams that have, that have definitely been there or thereabouts throughout um, the last five or six years. The Astros, I think, are into their sixth straight American League Championship Series, the final series before the World Series. And they're meeting the Yankees for the third time in six years. So... Um, there's a fair bit of history there. 2017, the Astros knocked out the Yankees at this stage, and that was the year where they had the cheating scandal. They did the same in 2019 when Jose Altuve hit a, hit a big home run. So um, there's a big rivalry here. And um, look, I think the Astros probably have the upper hand, given the fact that they've been resting for the last three or four days, or the Yankees have you know, been going back and forth to Cleveland and, and, and had to fly into Houston late last night. So I think the Astros probably have the upper hand, but... Um, 
I think it'll be a pretty close series. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fascinating series to watch. Uh, what about uh, Philadelphia up against San Diego, or should I say Hubane and San Diego Padres, to give them their proper title? Um, I mean, the, the, the Padres did such a good job getting past uh, a Dodgers team. I think most people uh, agreed were favourites to take out the World Series. Yeah, I think the Padres are a team that, that probably are suited better to a shorter series. I think they're a team that's, that's sort of got X factor and, and, and can win games that maybe they're, they're not quite favoured to win. But perhaps over the course of a, a longer series, the, the better team will prevail. And I think that's what's going to happen in this series. I think, you know, we saw last night Zach Wheeler pitch a, a one-hitter across, I think, seven and a third. And then for, for the Phillies, they've got Aaron Nola, another um, star pitcher, going tonight. I just think their pitching's a little bit deeper. I think Bryce Harper, the um, outfielder for the Phillies, is, is sort of coming into his own as, um, you know, treating this as his, his sort of big time in the spotlight, and, and he's going to sort of put a stamp on this series as well. So I think the Phillies um, should prevail there, but I think probably the, the Padres are, are the people's team. Um, they're, they're not a team that's had a lot of success, but they've also been very aggressive in recruiting players to San Diego, um, trading for Juan Soto, signing Manny Machado to a huge contract, uh, a bunch of others as well. So I think people would like to see um, a smaller team like that that sort of punch above its waist and, and, and go all the way. Um, so they'll definitely have, uh, I think, the country behind them, um, but uh, it might not be enough against the Philly side, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be um, a riveting series, but I think you're right. I think the Phillies look too strong. I mean, do the Phillies have enough to take out whoever wins the Yankees-Astros um, series, do you think? Yeah, I think they're a chance. I, I do think that the two best teams remaining are definitely the Yankees and Astros. Um, I think they've probably got a better chance against the Yankees. Uh, I think, you know, probably the, you know, maybe the, their weaker offense um, in Philadelphia, not to say it's, it's bad, but I just think the, the Houston Astros pitching is so deep um, that, that they could shut down that Phillies offense, whereas I think the Yankees pitching is a little bit weaker and um, that could give the Phillies a chance to, to get some runs. But I, I would say definitely the Yankees and Astros would be the favourites. But I think if you're a Philly fan, you, you'd probably be hoping for to meet the Yankees. And I think you'd be hoping for that anyway, because that's only a you know a 90-minute train ride up to Yankee Stadium to, to go to away games. So it's a much easier trip than, than going down to Texas. Now, I know uh, one of the biggest clubs in Major League Baseball is the Boston Red Sox, and they finished bottom of AL East. But they weren't that far away, were they, from, from a wildcard spot? I think they were only, what, eight games off Tampa. Um, how much do they have to do in the offseason, do you think, and how much change do you expect to see there? Um, not a lot. I think the big question for them, their, their star shortstop, um, Xander Bogas, is, um, well, he's, he's under contract, but he's got an opt-out this year, and it's, it's widely expected he'll opt out of his contract and, and go to free agency. I think it'll be interesting to see whether they bring him back. Um, he's, he's starting to get a little bit older, and, and he'll need a long-term deal. So there's rumours they may go their separate ways. You're right, though. I think this American League East division, with Tampa Bay, Toronto, New York and Boston is all, is all strong, and Baltimore is starting to, to come back as well. They had a, a surprisingly strong season. Uh, for Boston, yeah, I don't think there's a ton they need to do. I, I think it'll be sort of minor upgrades. Uh, perhaps they look for one big splash. Um, there's been talks they might even go after Aaron Judge, um, which would create quite the storyline. But you remember at the trade deadline, they were only three games out of a, a wild card spot, and they decided to sell off their players, uh, which was a, a controversial decision, decision at the time. And, and they still didn't finish that far out of it. So I don't think they need to do a lot. And I think they'll expect to be pretty competitive again next year. 
All right, mate, let's uh, shift our focus to the NBA. It tipped off yesterday. Uh, the Celtics, big winners, 126-70, over the 76ers, and the Warriors uh, burying the Lakers, 123-109. That's a lot of points for two games of the NBA. I just had uh, Modi Mayor, the Breakers coach, on before you uh, to talk about that, and he said something interesting. He said, oh, you know, I said, is this indicative of the way basketball is going and he said no it's indicative of the way the NBA is going uh, what was what was your take on, on on those two opening games yeah I think I think going back to last season we're definitely seeing more and more high scoring games where you know in the past games would regularly finish under 100 points for each side now it's basically just about every game um, one team will, will, both teams will, will score north of 100 points um, it's always tricky, isn't it? Because you, you get two big marquee matchups on opening night and uh, it's easy to sort of read a lot into them. But the reality is there's still 81 games to go for these teams and um, there's a lot a lot of basketball still to be played. I think the most concerning team is probably the Lakers. Um, they, they still don't, you know, it's just hard to see them being a contender again this year. I, I think they're going to be much the same as, as what they were last year, which will be maybe on the fringes of the play-in tournament, but I can't see them pushing up into the to the main playoff spots. Um, they started Russell Westbrook off the bench last night. He um, he had some moments, but he didn't look too flash overall. And, and so I think that their failure to solve that um, lingering question and, and getting rid of what Russell Westbrook um, is probably going to mean that, that I think they're doomed to sort of be, uh, you know, struggling a bit this season. Mm, yeah, well, you know, nobody nobody loves that more than a Boston Celtics fan, mate, so uh, quite happy there, quite happy there. <laughs> uh, I, I should ask you, before we move on to the NFL, um, the Grizzlies, Stephen Adams, feels like they'll probably be better after the experience of last year, given it's such a young roster. I think that they'll be a little bit stronger this year and, and could maybe go deeper in the playoffs? I think, I think so. I, I think they'll be stronger. I'm not necessarily... Um, convinced they'll have a better record than they did last year, but I, I do think they'll be better prepared for for the playoff series. I think you know record-wise, there's just I think more competitive teams across the NBA. You look at like teams like the Clippers, who, who are going to have um, be much more competitive than they were last year with Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard fully fit. But yeah, down in Memphis, I think you know it's, it's basically bringing back that young core, and they're all a year older, um, and not in a bad way either. Uh, they're they're still very young. Um, Stephen Adams is there. He's a vital cog of that team. I think they're going to be fun to w- watch, and, and they're going to win a ton of games this year. So, um, hopefully, they can uh, get on a deep run. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll, we'll be on the Stephen Adams Grizzlies train uh, over here. You know that much. Um, what about the NFL? It feels to me like this season is the hardest season in memory to pick. Everybody seems to be beating everybody else. I was looking at the uh, at the standings before. I mean, we're only six rounds in, and We've got one, two, three of the um, of the divisions uh, that are led by teams with a three and three record. That says everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Yeah, you look at the NFC West; and it's three teams on three and three, and, and the Arizona Cardinals at, at two and four. Like it's it's remarkable, and you know we often you know go into these games trying to predict them, and you just can't. Like you look at that uh, Tampa Bay. Pittsburgh game on the weekend, and, and the Steelers' defense was was completely banged up. They've got a rookie quarterback who had to go off, at, you know, half time I think, or, or just after with a concussion uh, against the Tampa Bay Bucks side led by Tom Brady, and the Steelers hold them out, and their defense looks incredible, and they beat the Bucks twenty eighteen. Arizona Falcons, um, sorry, the Atlanta Falcons going up um, against one of the best D's in the 
in the league and, and getting it done there, 28-14 over San Francisco. Um, there's been plenty of the Seahawks with, with the quarterback that has been a backup basically every year, apart from the year, um, his rookie year, where he, we, he was terrible for the New York Jets, Geno Smith. Uh, he's getting it done for the Seahawks. They're beating the Cardinals. They're three and three, and, and surprising a lot of teams. So, it is. It's it's kind of fascinating. Week to week, you know, we we're seeing plenty of upsets, which is interesting. It's really interesting, and and you know, there's a couple of things that in the past, if you're doing picking comps or you know, uh, you, you're making bets on on the NFL, you can generally look at it and go, okay, this team has a strong quarterback. They will find a way to win because the quarterback is smart, a lot of game intelligence. Almost doesn't matter how many weapons they've got. Uh, and I, I was on that bandwagon a lot with Aaron Rodgers and, of course, Tom Brady as well. But both those guys are struggling a bit this season. I mean, I, I wondered whether or not uh, Brady had, had, had got to the end. But I'm more surprised with the Packers and, and Aaron Rodgers. Where do you see them sitting? Yeah, not good. Uh, you know, a, a few games ago when, when they were sort of looking a little bit scratchy, but not too bad, I, I wasn't too concerned about them. Um, but after going down to the Jets 27-10, look, the Jets are, are impressing this year. They're, they're having a better season than expected, but the Packers at Lambeau Field should still be able to, to beat that Jets team with, with Aaron Rodgers there. And, and they, they, were, they were well short. I think there's, there's real concerns there over, you know, Rodgers' form, the, the depth of their wide receiving um, corp, and... and, and Potentially the need there to bring in some reinforcements and it sounds like there might be a little bit of a disconnect between Rogers and the coaching staff. So, you know, they're, they're three and three, I think, at the moment. Uh, they're in a division with the, the Minnesota Vikings who are five and one. So they're a couple of games back at the Vikings. I think the, the thing that works out for teams like the Packers and the Bucks, I, they're in the NFC, which I think is a, a far weaker um, side than, than the AFC. And, and so I think these veteran quarterbacks will know that Perhaps they just need to sort of find a way to get to a, you know, a record good enough to just get into the playoffs, and that's when when the business um, really starts for guys like Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers. I think overall, I'd probably be more concerned um, with the Packers than the Bucks. I think Brady's probably um, pacing himself a little bit, given he's 45. You know, there's rumours of, of off-field stuff um, with him and, and, and concerns there, and I think he'll know that that he just needs to get to the playoffs, and, and that's where things will start. But Certainly some concerns there for both those teams. Yeah, very much so. All right, mate. Hey, listen, Simon, thanks very much for coming on. Uh, Keep up the good work on the 3rd and 5 podcast. We'll talk to you again soon, eh? Thanks, Ricardo, mate. Talk soon. Yeah, will do. Uh, Simon Hampton there. Check them out. 3rd and 5 podcast. He is the host of that. It is 13 away from 10. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Eight away from 10 o'clock, uh, currently 2-0 Manchester United lead Spurs in the Premier League. Uh, it really has been all United this second half, and Hugo Lloris, the French international keeper who is in goal for Spurs, has really kept the minute. He's made a couple of brilliant saves from Marcus Rashford in this half. We'll keep you up to date with the score in that game as it plays out. A couple of texts come through here on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Zaid is uh, going to the uh, to the game tonight at uh, Trust's Arena between between the Breakers and the South East Melbourne Phoenix. He's, uh, he's let us know, so uh, look out for Zay there as he uh, goes to the basketball. And uh, they, uh, Scott has uh, texted this through very succinct, Scott. The NBA doesn't play D. Yeah, well, that, that could be the difference. 
this year, I guess, between uh, who takes it out and who doesn't. Maybe a team that does put some emphasis on D, so maybe a team with Stephen Adams in it might make a difference. We'll have to see. Keep your thoughts coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up, know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away, and know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. All right, it is uh, time for that multi, and uh, this is what it looks like. And one thing I've learned is listen to people who know more than you do. Uh, when you when when it comes to different sports, and after talking to Simon Hampton uh, from the Third and Five podcast, I've gone a US multi, US based multi, starting with the baseball, the Astros to beat the Yankees in Game One at a dollar fifty one. Into the Stephen Adams Memphis Grizzlies, who should get up against the New York Knicks. They're at home for that one. It's paying a dollar fifty three, and then. The Brooklyn Nets, who are absolutely loaded with talent, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans in New York at $1.65. Put those together, uh, it returns $3.81 for the three, so 10 bucks on returns, $38.11. There you go, that is the multi for today. Uh, it'll, it's not the biggest one we've ever done, but it'll certainly uh, fill the beer fridge if you get on it. Uh, or do some damage to the beer fridge at least and that is uh, that is what we want isn't it uh, coming up after the latest in news and sport uh, Kevin here from Heartland Rugby is going to join us we'll talk Meads Cup Lahore Cup finals we'll also catch up with David Long and Ben Strang for the panel as well get a love racing update from Louis Herman Watt and uh, we will uh have a look at uh, what's happening in harness racing as well. All that between now and 11 o'clock. Here's Araha with News and Sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Three past ten here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy, of course, off at the T20 World Cup. So, Ricardo, in for him for the next uh, three and a bit weeks, or as long as the Black Caps stay in the competition, uh, which would be interesting. I'd be interested to hear from you as uh, to how long you think that might be. Um, have we got a chance of winning this one? It is in Australia, just across the ditch, although we do seem to have a problem winning in Australia, particularly when we play. Australia uh, and England look pretty good, don't they? I mean, and they've just finished a series uh, with the Aussies where uh, where England pumped them. So uh, the English are in form uh, and the Aussies. So, yes, yeah, going to be interesting to see how the Black Caps go in that competition. It is uh, into injury time at Old Trafford. Manchester United leading Tottenham Hotspur by two goals to nil. Uh, about four minutes of injury time to play in that one. Uh, we'll keep you up to date as uh, the result uh, comes to hand throughout the morning. Uh, joining us now, though, uh, to talk rugby uh, from Heartland Rugby is Kevin here. G'day, mate. How are you? Good morning, Ricardo. Yeah, no, really great. I've only waited 3,645 days for the mighty Nadi Perot East Coast. To be back in a grand final. Oh, yeah. I'm counting. It's all you, apparently. Uh, but um, Whakarua Park this Sunday at five past one. Mate, it's going to be absolutely heaving, isn't it, when uh, Nanti Pro East Coast hosts Mid Canterbury? What a great story this is. 
Oh, it's an awesome story, even down to the point where public pressure made the uh, Air New Zealand put on extra flights because the, even our players couldn't get to the ground uh, this weekend because there were no flights on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Uh, so they've put on extra flights and uh, extra flights out on Tuesday. So they're expecting a big party there, I'm, I'm guessing. And then uh, just this morning, we're pr- proud to announce that the entry to the grand final is free. That's great. So expect a huge crowd uh, at Whakara Park. It's going to be amazing scenes. Be standing room only, I'd imagine. Do you know what the uh, capacity is there? Oh, about uh, 14 horses. Um, <laughs> I think, well, I mean, when I was there last year, I mean, the, the grandstand holds about, I don't know, 500 people. Yeah. But around the ground, you could easily, I mean, if you go back and look at 2012, you know, there was at least 5,000 people there. Yeah, no, looking, Easy. looking, uh, looking like a great uh, a fairy tale story. You know, Hosea Gear's done a fantastic job there. I don't think enough's been made of that, has it? I mean, he's a guy that really is from mm. the area. He's gone away. Uh, he's gone overseas. He's done really good things there. He's made his money in the professional game, and he's come back to New Zealand, and he's put back into to the region he's from. Oh, totally. I mean, um, you know, the old adage, you know, it takes two or three years for anything to sort of, you know, put a plan into action. And I I was actually, you know, uh, crunching the numbers uh, just the other day. And um, this weekend will be his 30th game uh, in charge, and that includes all the pre-season stuff, uh, with um, 11 wins and 18 losses. But unfortunately, when he showed up three years ago, uh, they'd only had two wins since that great day back in 2012. So um, he's definitely turned it around. He he had a plan, and the three-year plan is uh, culminating this Sunday. Yeah, at one o five too. By the way, not two o five. Yeah, one o five. <laughs> that's the one. Uh, so I mean, Jose. Yeah, what do you think? He, uh, you know, I mean, we we'll got we we'll get Sunday done uh, against Mid Canterbury. Mm-hmm. What do you think the future holds for him? I mean, has he got coaching aspirations beyond Heartland, or is this just about putting something back in? It's, it's, um, well, the discussions I've had with him is literally he's giving back to, to the whānau, to the iwi, uh, to the area. Um, I mean, uh, he does have a young family. They're back over from Australia now. Um, and, uh, you know, he has done a lot of work in schooling and that. But, hey, uh, anything's possible, really. Um, I, I would not be surprised to see maybe him being picked up by someone like the Hurricanes and coaching staff, you know, because uh, he's got the affiliation there with the Canes. So um, he would definitely do something. Um, where, where he goes after this weekend, unsure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what does happen there. But, I mean, it's such a great story because, you know, middle of last season, they get that. They break that fifty-five lose uh, game losing streak. Uh, Ma Nonu rides mm-hmm. into the ground on the back of a horse. It's just fantastic. Like you know, some some Roman emperor of the way he, he, he sort of rode, and it was just fantastic. And they've gone from breaking a fifty-five game losing streak to now hosting the Meads Cup final. That is some turnaround. Oh, it, it definitely is a you know a, um, a a story to listen to because I mean the thing is the, the great thing is. A lot of these guys here playing on Sunday played in that 2012 final. Verdon Bartlett scored the winning try in that game against Wanganui. He will more than likely be there this weekend. So, you know, these guys have been through through the ringer over the years. And um, 
but they've still got that core group. And, you know, when you win games and you start winning, the belief becomes real. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, if you look at the TAB, you know, dollar ninety each way on both East Coast and Mid Canterbury, they can't split it. Um, I, you know, you couldn't. You, um, East Coast got up over them during the uh, down in Ashburton by thirty six to thirty four. It's going to be a tight battle, but then you've got to look at how many points is the crowd going to be worth, and the crowd's going to be worth at least fifteen to twenty points. So Mid Canterbury have got a major battle on their hands. Ah, yeah, no, that'll be good. I mean, is there is there a point start option? Because I, you'd, you'd almost uh, you'd almost take them with a point start if that was the case, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, let's have a quick look here. I've just happened to have it open. Uh, half a point to East Coast, a dollar eighty uh, minus half a point Mid Canterbury, dollar ninety. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it's, it's not much. Uh, maybe, maybe you're just better off going yeah, head to head at a buck ninety then. Oh, true, and uh, also TAB better update their site because they've got the kickoff at two oh five, and it has been brought forward to one oh five. Right, so head to head, they're both paying a dollar eighty seven. What's the uh, reason for them bringing it forward? Uh, it was due to the logistics of uh, flights for Mid Canterbury. Yeah, and uh, probably trying to get through all the uh, potholes and etc. <laughs> on State Highway thirty five, and just making sure that they uh, get there and. Yeah, so one oh five is meant to be the kickoff time now. Uh, out of this East Coast side, I mean, Jose Aguirre's obviously done a great job as a coach, but he must have done something in recruitment as well. How many of these guys are locals? How many, uh, you know, have they got in on loan from, I don't know, Hawke's Bay or Wellington or places like that? Very little. I mean, uh, the squad uh, as it stands, you know, um, you know. Okay, we've got Joe Wadman there. He, he's, um, a, 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 you know, a Hawke's Bay local boy. Uh, Joe Royal down from Counties. Um, uh, uh, Carlos Kemp. He, he's a local boy. Uh, they've literally. Uh, it is still a ninety-nine percent homegrown squad. You know. Um, yeah, uh, uh, they've only yeah. There's only like two or three guys. They've got the, the two or three lone guys. Um, they've got the uh, um, the player of origin, and really that's it. You know, uh, the, the, yeah, they all play their club rugby on the coast, which is great to hear. What about you know youngsters coming through? I remember seeing uh, years ago an Auckland ran fairly shield challenge uh, when they used to take them on the road and uh, they played Horafinua Kapiti and there was this kid called Carlos Spencer uh, that played against them who went all yep. right, and they, they ended up bringing him uh, up to Auckland. Are there anybody that you can see maybe coming through in this East Coast setup who might go on to a, uh, you know, play for an NPC side or even maybe a super rugby contract down the, down the line? Not at this stage. We, I, I mean, I, I had an um, early shout-out for a young chap called Shaden Stevens um, right at the start of the season, and he was going to be... He, he had an awesome game at Queen's birthday uh, against Poverty Bay. Unfortunately, in the second pre-season game, he broke his leg. Um, but he has got speed to burn. A young guy, um, Jose, found over in um, playing rugby league in Brisbane. Um, so keep an eye out for him in 2023. Um, but... At this stage, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go. Uh, and they've got a young chap there playing on the wing junior time to uh, Tawatua. Uh, he, he, he's got uh, some gas. Um, yeah, but it's sort of like, you know, we're, it's going to be a great weekend, but it's also going to be the end of an era too, I believe. 
Yeah, uh, uh, hopefully they mm. can continue it on and, and, and that, that good work doesn't go to waste. I mean, they're not the only team in the final, Kevin, so we should probably give some love to Mid-Canterbury. I mean, if you're a Mid-Canterbury fan, mm-hmm. what reason do you have to believe your team's going to get home? Well, Mid-Canterbury, I mean, I did have them in my top four this year. And um, so, you know, they, they definitely have the finals experience. I mean, Mid-Canterbury, you just don't know who they're going to, you know, what team they're going to put out in, in, uh, from week to week. But uh, for them to get through and get into the into the final after you know a topsy turvy season, um, I think they will be bringing that sort of South you know Island farmer grit sort of stuff, um, you know. And as I said, they've got the experience of being in the finals. But um, oh yeah, I mean it's going to be a tough ask for Mid Canterbury, but there is def- I, I can understand why the TAB have, you know can't separate these two because it's just going to be a Oh, you would not want to even put your house on it, you know. Uh, who would win? Um, I'm just, yeah, yeah. I, I really can't answer. All right. <laughs> what, what, what about Mid Canterbury's neighbours then? South Canterbury, they take on Wanganui in the uh, yep. and the Meads Cup final. I mean, those two teams really have dominated uh, the Heartland this year. Oh, totally. Um, the Juggernaut, this should have been the grand, uh, grand final for um, Meads Cup last year, unfortunately due to COVID. Um, currently, South Canterbury sitting at dollar twenty-seven. Wanganui three dollars seventy. I mean, Wanganui. You know, these are the two most outstanding teams in Heartland Championship, and to see Wanganui sitting at three dollars seventy head to head, it's just really crazy money. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a few Butcher Boy uh, supporters jumping on that uh, today at the TAB. But um, currently, South Canterbury. For 2022, have scored 444 points. They have beaten Wanganui's record of 440. Uh, they're currently sitting on 64 tries for the year. They've just beaten Wanganui's record of 63. That's been around since 2008. Now they're only two conversions away from beating Wanganui's conversion record from 2008. Penalties. They're only one penalty goal from beating Wairapa Bush's national record. I mean, we can go on. Last week, it was the highest ever final score for either Heartland or NPC in the finals uh, when they put 76 points against King Country. And um, they've also held the record for most points in the season, competition points. So, you know, it's and, and now they've got to try and break a lot of these records against the team that holds a lot of these records. It's going to be a... Oh, the, that game is going to be a battle royal. Wanganui will be going down there. They know what to do. They felt robbed last year that they weren't in the Meads Cup final. And, uh, yeah, there's going to be some fire and ice on that pitch on yeah. Saturday. Yeah, I mean, so many great storylines, as you mentioned there, with all those records and things on the line. I do wonder, I'm looking at it, the point starts 13 and a half. I mean, you know, if you were looking to wager on this, uh, Wanganui at plus 13 and a half at $1.85 is not the worst bet. The, the value is definitely with Wanganui in this match, isn't it? Oh, totally. Um, I mean, the, the money, yeah, the money is definitely there. I mean... <laughs> Even looking at this 10-point margin, you know, the margins there, um, you know, Wanganui, 1 to 10, 5 bucks. In the final with these two teams, I mean, a a lot of people are thinking that South Canterbury are going to get up and just do the business. Um, Sure, they played their game at Pleasant Point last week. Uh, Wanganui have never played there, so they don't know the ground, so there's going to be a lot of that real home ground advantage for South Canterbury. Um, Of course, it's been played at Pleasant Point. Um, domain and um, so I mean 
Yeah, I, I, I think a, a, a slight tenner on Wanganui, one to ten, would be a, a nice little return to, you know, see you into sort of uh, Sunday's betting. Yeah, yeah, good stuff, Kevin. All right, mate. Hey, before I let you go, uh, traditionally we have a Heartland 15. Uh, they've played games against yep. island sides and things in the past. Um, what uh, What is in store for the Heartland 15 this season, and uh, when are we expecting to hear uh, a, a selection? Okay, selection's been made. Have not seen the selection, um, and the date is Sunday, the 6th of November, apparently, and they're playing the New Zealand Police at uh, Owen Delaney Park in Taupo. Um, so, yeah, uh, all that, I'm guessing, will come out in the wash in the next few days after the finals, after Labor Weekend. But a team has been selected, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, us poor media people will ask to see it. But, uh, uh, yeah, New Zealand Police, I, I, I do sort of look at that thinking, oh, you yeah, know, that's really great. I do think it's a missed opportunity, though. Uh, they could have uh, maybe, because it's in King, uh, being played in Taupo, they could have maybe got in touch with Thames Valley or King Country and said, hey, you want to put together a combined centenary team? And it could have been a Heartland versus the, uh, the two teams celebrating their centenary this year. So for me, that's maybe a missed opportunity. Mm, good stuff, Kevin. Really appreciate you coming on, mate. Keep up the good work at rugbyheartland.co.nz and uh, enjoy your footy this weekend, eh? I certainly will, and go the Nardi. <laughs> go the Nardi Pro, indeed. 18 past 10 here on Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. When we come back, it's the panel. In Aotearoa, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.23 here on SENZ. Mornings with Ian Smith. Smithy away at the World Cup, so Ricardo in for him. Final score, Manchester United 2, Spurs 0. That is now logged in the books as well, so the third-place team dropping points this morning. Time for the panel, though. Ben Strang is with us from RNZ. G'day, Ben. How are you, mate? Not too bad, mate. Yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. And also joining us on the panel today, uh, David Long from stuff.co.nz. How are you going, David? Oh, yeah, good. Thanks, Ricardo. It's a story, good. mate. Uh, gentlemen, uh, there was, I was read, a, read a story on spin-off, actually, that Madeline Chapman wrote uh, just the other day, uh, suggesting that maybe New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks themselves don't realise that there is a World Cup on in our backyard. Um, be interested to get your thoughts on that, Ben, because it feels like you can't miss it everywhere you look. Uh, there are billboards, there are ads, there are people talking about it. It's in all the papers. Um, maybe NZR and the All Blacks do know it's going on. Well, you'd hope you'd hope they um, do, don't you? <laughs> wouldn't you? But uh, I mean, I, I get the I get the idea of the article. It's um, New Zealand rugby so solely focused, it seems, on the All Blacks brand. That they have the Black Ferns or the Home World Cup, and they almost seem to forget about it. It doesn't sort of surprise me at all that New Zealand rugby haven't possibly been, you know, as vocal as as out there about the World Cup as they could have been. This is, you know, a longer term position from NZ Rugby, isn't it? I mean, uh, only recently did they start actually selling Black Ferns merchandise, for instance, by comparison. You could go to an A-League women's game and, and, and get Wellington Phoenix gear. You could, uh, you could go to, heck, you could go to the Wellington Blaze cricket games and get any gear you wanted, that sort of stuff. So NZ Rugby hasn't 
necessarily been the best at supporting women's rugby and, and maybe that's not the case for the Home World Cup. David, I don't know about you, uh, uh, if you've had a chance to look at this, but one of the things that Madeline did point out is, you know, you, you tend to go to, you know, so the WNBA, she pointed out, uh, and there's always cutaway shots to NBA players in the stands supporting the women's game. And one of the things she's asked is, you know, where are the All Blacks? We haven't really seen any at these games. Is is that much of an issue for you? I, I don't really think so. I mean, if, if they do go along, that, um, that's nice. But... Um I don't really think it's a biggie. I don't really um, get the, the problem with it. I, I, um, uh, really, I think I think one of the issues though with the, the women's rugby World Cup is that it's only games on Saturday and Sunday, and so we lose all momentum. And I think we do lose a lot of focus about the the, the World Cup during the week. Uh, you know, if you look at the FIFA Football World Cup and the Rugby League World Cup, which is going at the moment, you get games on every day, so you sort of embrace the whole tournament for the for the length of it. But it's the sort of the the stop-start nature of, of this tournament means that you, you know, you sort of get overloaded on it on Saturday and Sunday, and then you, it's, um, you sort of forget about it during the week, which I don't think is is a really great for sort of um, you know, building up a, a, a sort of um, excitement about the tournament. Yeah, I mean, the thing that has I probably stood out to me most of all is the uh, how open and how well uh, the Black Ferns speak, um, probably more so than their male counterparts. But we probably could see more of that and more of them. And I guess one of the other things that Madeline, uh, you know, sort of pointed out is that we even haven't even seen, uh, seen social media posts coming out from uh, you know official All Black player accounts. On it uh, once again. I mean, that's that's a personal thing. I don't I I, I don't know that um, we that they have to be invested. But I would have thought from a PR point of view, it would have been something New Zealand rugby would have pushed. Ben. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Uh, I mean, in in some ways, I think this sort of hands offish approach from NZR has helped to make the Black Ferns players um, such great personalities for them to speak so well in the media. Um, the All Blacks is such a um, you know, uh, it's it's just the sort of media PR train that that rolls around, and the players uh, don't say much. They're they're very much towing the line. Whereas the Black Ferns, they've you know their personalities do shine. They're they're very willing with their time. Uh, the players really seem to enjoy what they're doing and engage with fans when they're there. Uh, it is a shame that. In, in some ways, that it is just sort of isolated to Auckland and, and Northland, the tournament, because I certainly would have loved to have gone and watched a game in Wellington, for instance. But um, I, I, I am pleased that they've had uh, very good support from, you know, the you know, woman families, uh, that sort of thing. Probably people who wouldn't normally go to your average All Blacks game. It's the uh, the interesting thing for me, David, on this, and I, I guess maybe this. Uh, sort of looks to a, a bigger problem with New Zealand rugby that they've had in the past. Is do you remember International Women's Day last time out that they recognised uh, the way they recognised that on social media was by talking about the mothers of the All Blacks, uh, but actually didn't do anything about the Black Ferns or use any of the Black Ferns in any of their posts, which was uh, was an interesting way to go about it. And then some of the players that they did use on that front uh, were guys who have got you know history of domestic uh, uh, disturbance issues. So, I mean, it, they are a bit tone deaf, aren't they, NZR, at the moment? Yeah, they did. I mean, that was a big mistake. And, and to credit to them, they did put their hands up and afterwards admit, that, admit they got that, um, that very wrong. Um 
But I think it's, yeah, I mean, maybe it's, if you look at this World Cup, I think it's maybe the public are leading the way in terms of their support for it, more so than, than what the New Zealand rugby are doing. Because, it, um, you know, if you look at some of the, the scenes that there have been for the games, you know, it's it's been... Um, it's been refreshing to see, you know, the type of people that have been going along to it, a lot of the younger people, a lot of the girls, um, and to see, to see them get involved in rugby when they perhaps they wouldn't go to all black games because, A, the price of it, and, and B, because it's, it's a very sort of different atmosphere there. Um, but, you know, I do think, I do sort of think, even though, as has been pointed out, it's, it's a real shame that the tournament is only in Auckland and Northland. You know, I do hope there's still a possibility that it can leave a legacy for, for women's, women's rugby in this country afterwards. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a really good point. And, I mean, that's another discussion again because uh, I believe uh, when asked about it, uh, it was said that they did it because of COVID and that way that they could uh, actually, you know, contain things if there was an out, another outbreak. Um, that was the official line. And then someone pointed out that, the bid was made in 2018 uh, before COVID, so I don't know where, where that lands. Uh, but, yeah, and nicely done, New Zealand rugby. It is half past 10 here on SENZ Mornings with Ian Smith. This is the panel. We'll continue it after the latest in news and sport with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Twenty-eight away from eleven. Uh, David, along with us on the panel, as is Ben Strang. Uh, David, uh, let's start with you, mate. The, the um, Sean Stevenson story that came out a couple of weeks ago about the uh, Redcliffe Dolphins move. Um, it looks like that is on hold. I have heard uh, via um, Katie Brown out of Australia that uh, he has one year left on his deal with New Zealand Rugby and that uh, the Dolphins are confident that he will sign for them in 2024. Uh, the fact that he wasn't named in the All Blacks 15 squad or the All Blacks squad probably means that that is going to happen. But do you think that's he's going to be the first of a few? Do you think we're going to see a bit of an exodus after 2023 in the World Cup? Uh, well, might be but I don't know if we're going to see them go to NRL. I mean, that's, I, I think it's, Sean's, it's a different case for Sean, but, you know, the way we hear, always hear uh, names thrown up about players looking to go to rep the NRL, um, and then not long afterwards they sign a bigger contract with New Zealand Rugby. You know, um, but I think it's, his case is a bit different. I mean, Sean's definitely got the skill set to, to be a, a, a very good um, player in the NRL. You can see him putting in at fullback pretty well. Um but uh, as to what he does in the future, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really not sure. But um, the fact that the Dolphins um, are interested in him is a positive sign. I know that that comes from Peter O'Sullivan, who's their recruitment manager, who who was at the Warriors for a few years, and and you know, I know he did spend time sort of looking at players in rugby to see whether which ones would be good at coming across, and he's and clearly um, Sean was one that he 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 noticed from that during that time. Yeah, I mean, he's, he certainly didn't. Uh, it's, it's not a bloke that I think a lot of people involved with the Warriors were sad to see go. But you can't, uh, you can't argue. He, he, he does. Uh, he is good at his job, even managing to get his son-in-law plenty of gigs. David, um, Ben, I don't know if you caught the top of that, but uh, Sean Stevenson uh, looks like he's going to stay with the Chiefs for one more year, which Clayton McMillan is happy about. Uh, he's got one year left on his deal with New Zealand Rugby. Could be a Dolphin after that. Do you, do you think we're going to see much of an exodus after? the World Cup in 2023? Do you think he'll be one of many going? Uh, certainly people will go. I don't know if it'll be an exodus at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the future we do see a bit of an exodus. I mean, he's, what, 26? and um, so, so he hasn't had the opportunities in New Zealand that he wanted, so you can absolutely understand why he'd be potentially looking at rugby league. Um, as I say, in the, in the longer term, 
uh, money has to be a, a major factor for these professional athletes. Um, it seems to me that the level of competition in Europe in particular in rugby has increased immensely over the previous couple of years. And so why wouldn't you test yourself in what seems to be the premier club competition in the world, get paid more? Um, you know, Even longer term, I, I wholeheartedly believe that there will be a point where New Zealand's best players are all playing for European clubs, that New Zealand rugby will have to change its policy around selecting New Zealand-based players because you know, the game's been professional for 25 years. It seemed inevitable that where the money is is where it will all gravitate at some point. And, and so down the track, I can see that happening. Yeah, does it surprise you that it's taken this long, David, for, for that to happen, that, the, that New Zealand rugby has stuck to their guns this long in the professional environment? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's something that um, um, you've always made a big thing about, you know, once you open the door and, and let, let players go, then um, to go do that and stand your blacks, it's, it's, you know, you're going you're gonna to damage your own product back in New Zealand, aren't you? Um, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're one of the things though is at the moment, you know, to talk about players going to, going over to, to Europe, well, I mean, I, I, if, I was play, if I was a player looking at England, I'd be very very wary about doing that now when you've seen Worcester and Wasps they're both, both um, going to liquidation over the last few weeks, you know. Um, you might think you're going to go over there and earn lots of money, but when you've got the uncertainty and from what I hear that there's other clubs in England that could be that could be in, in big financial problems and going down the same route soon, you know, maybe it's better to stay in New Zealand and, and earn money rather than take that risk of going to play in England. Yeah, I see Blake Gibson's out of a job and out of out of some coin. Uh, he was he was at Wasps as well. It's a it's a really good point. Uh, we should talk a little bit um, about something that the T Twenty World Cup has thrown up. The Federation of International Cricketers Associations has said it's going to back players who choose to boycott controversial sponsorship engagements. This is off the back, of course. We've also uh, seen the uh, the Diamonds, the Australian netball team. Um, be critical of a sponsor that Australian Netball have got on board as a, a mining sponsor, and of course with the FIFA World Cup coming up later this year, uh, you know there's a lot of uh, and given where it is in Qatar and the human rights record, uh, particularly with uh, the LBG uh, community, um, being critical of that, and there's teams saying they're going to wear rainbow armbands and uh, you know the the captains uh, in support of that. Uh, we're seeing a lot more player power, aren't we, at the moment, Ben, in terms of uh, what will and will not be, ex- uh, you know, sort of taken on board uh, from head office, as it were. Absolutely, and I think um, that's fantastic. I think some, sometimes, probably particularly in New Zealand, athletes are a little bit shy about coming out about, you know, political or social issues or anything like that. Compared to, you know, say, American athletes, they're, they're not shy at all about letting people know their views and, and can have some really good positive political or social change come from that. I think if you're looking at the World Cup, Aramco themselves, you know, massive Saudi oil company. Um, I was just reading a piece by Jonathan Liu in The Guardian who says that, um, you know, they're estimated to be responsible for extracting the oil that has produced more than 4% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions since 1965. Um you know, with climate change being such a big issue, I can absolutely understand players wanting to potentially boycott that. They're also ma- making record profits uh, from the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Th- this is not necessarily a company that an athlete whose image is worth so much money to them, uh, worth so much to them, is um, going to want to put their name behind and, and be associated with necessarily. So, 
we've seen it before with um, certain cricketers, certain athletes taking sort of alcohol sponsorships off jerseys or, or taping over them, that sort of thing. I think that's um, that's well within their right, and, and I completely understand it. Yeah, D- David. I mean, we we have seen a little bit of this in the past. Ben brought that up. I remember Sonny Bill Williams um, doing that with a banking sponsor because of his beliefs. Um, he must have, his his mattress must be must be sitting on quite a lot of money. That's all I can think. But um, you know, we, I guess there's got to be a line drawn between what your employers ask you to do and what consciously you you, you will do yourself. That's right. I mean, you just remember the All Blacks, you know, there was a lot of, bit of controversy about when they took Ineos on as a sponsor because, um, you know, some a lot of people are not really happy with the way Ineos go about themselves as a, as a business. Um, but I think it's, again, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's, it's a fine line between sometimes, you know, are you doing it for the right reasons or are you doing it for, um, you know, I, mean, you might, I remember in the, in the 1990s, I think, in the Indian cricket when the Pepsi were sponsoring some some um, play of the match awards, and some players had their own private deals with Coca Cola, so they refused to sort of you know get involved with that, with the, things like that. So um, uh, yeah, and and with the political side of it as well, I think that you know you can sometimes countries might want to do something because they had a war there and they they object to something, and other countries you know don't. Uh, it's 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 a grey murky area, and just it's it's just you open it for one and you open it for all. So I'm, I'm a bit concerned. I don't know how what, what the solution is really, but um, I can understand players being concerned. But you just hope it's for the right reasons. Yeah, indeed. Uh, now on the netball, um, David, we, we of course uh, had one f- the first three games of the Constellation Cup here in New Zealand, but we've gone to Australia and uh, got blown out really by the Diamonds uh, in the third game. Um, it seems like you know about half the squad got changed out. Dame Nolene looking to try a few things ahead of the World Champs. Is, I guess the question is: Is the Constellation Cup? The time and the place to do it, especially when the series is on the line. Um, I think if you want to do it and you want to test yourself against the the best, then it, it's okay. I mean, at the end of the year, I mean, at the end of the day, sorry, who? It's a big competition, Constellation Cup, but you know, it's soon forgotten about who won it each year. Um, it's a shame, I think, that, that there's only it's just it's the best of four series and not a not a, not playing a fifth one. I understand if Australia win by then you need to because they won by fifteen, they only got to win this last one to win the series. Um, it would have been nice to have a decider, but um, I think it's good that we're seeing Australia and New Zealand now sort of, yeah, at a similar level, having decent competitions. We're not seeing sort of, you know, um, well, more associated with Australia, that they're sort of dominating it and and um, New Zealand's not being given a look in. So I think it's been a very exciting, a very good um, Constellation Cup this year. Yeah, Ben, um, I mean, you know, I, I know that Ian Foster's copped a lot of grief this year, but uh, to, to use it in a rugby uh, format, I suppose, if this was the Bledisloe Cup on the line, would uh, would the All Blacks be making these kind of changes uh, to an All Blacks team um, when, when that was still not uh, locked away in the cupboard, do you think? Possibly not, but I kind of agree with David there that who who knows who's won previous Constellation Cups? I mean, it's not... Um, you know, I'm sure there's hardcore fans out there who who do, but um, it, it's pretty hard to remember. I think the World Cups are the big ones, the Commonwealth Games titles. I don't think that New Zealand would be chopping and changing in those those massive tournaments. Um, <laughs> and in regards to the Bleeders Low Cup, perhaps uh, perhaps they could chop and change. It doesn't seem that uh, it matters who we roll out at Eden Park against <laughs> Australia and we'll retain the title. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, no, fair, actually, well said. Well said, Ben. I think you've, you've, you've captured that quite nicely uh, there, and uh, I'm sure our Australian friends uh, at ECN over, over the ditch will be loving that comment. Make sure we clip that one up, uh, Logan. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks very much for being on the panel today. Go well and uh, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Thanks for having it. Cheers. Uh, ben Strang, David Long there with us. On the panel, it is 17 away from 11. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Uh, this week's Harness Racing pick to raise funds for Women's Refuge uh, comes from Invercargill on Sunday. Uh, 140 is race number three, and we're looking at Tabasco, who's going to be wearing the two-bib, uh, going very well, and due to win one, um, if you're looking at another option, that race, so five, Sophie is an interesting prospect and could threaten as well, might be uh, worth uh, an each way bet. Uh, so maybe worth uh, looking at that one, and uh, that is uh, Sunday at uh, twenty to two in Invercargill race three, horse number two. That is what we're looking at. A couple of texts that have come through. Morena, uh, help please. Didn't catch all of the third leg of Rick Dog's multi. Uh, well, here you go. This is the uh, the multi that I put together earlier today. The Houston Astros head to head against the New York Yankees. The Memphis Grizzlies to beat the New York Knicks. And then the other New York team, of course, the Brooklyn Nets, to beat the New Orleans Pelicans. I hope that helps you, David. Thanks for your text. Uh, texting through on double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost text line. Uh, also, this one from Ryan off the back of talking about the Women's Rugby World Cup. The biggest mistake they've made with the Women's Rugby World Cup is that it's only based in Auckland. I'm getting sick of being told how much I should care about it when we can't get close to it. Players aren't exposed and aren't engaging with the community outside of Auckland, so it's very hard to be excited about something that you can only watch on Spark or delayed on Prime. With so much other sport on over the weekend and the cost of subscribing to multiple platforms, the format and the design of the tournament is making it its own worst enemy. Thanks very much for your text, Ryan. I can't say that I disagree with too much of what you've said in there. Keep your text coming through on that double eight double three double eight double three. the temper bedpost text machine. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> 10 away from 11 and uh, coming to us live from a pub that used to be called the Nags Head. It seems only appropriate. Louis Herman Watt, how are you, sir? Yes, very good, Rick Dog. That's the story, mate. What do you got for us today? Oh, well, they're racing at Wingatui today, all the way down south. Um, not too much I like there, if I'm being completely honest. I'm probably going to keep my powder dry for the weekend, where we have awesome market up for Tarapa and Rickerton. This morning I spoke about Tarapa on breakfast, so why don't I take a look at Rickerton for you? Because the Watercree Stakes, the Group 3, well, it produced 2,000 Guinness, Guinness winners, for years and years, really, and there's a real good chance that the 2000, 2000 Guineas winner is in this field, Cognito, because in the futures market, Cognito is equal favourite for that 2000 Guineas, and the so so you think, Saad uh, Gelding, he's been super impressive ever since he dropped in at the raceway at Topo way back in August, and won a race which had some hot form in it, went up to Ruakaka and ran a really good second behind Sharp and Smart, who's consequently gone across to Australia and won a Group 3 there. 
and lines up in the Group 1 um, champion stakes this weekend right there in the market. Went back to Rickerton and against the odds, was back in the field, had to weave through runners, got up and won by nearly a full length last start in that field. And honestly, that day he start, his starting price was $2.50. It was a slight drift. The $1.90 here in the Watercourse Stakes, I actually think it's probably bang on the value, to be honest. But a good bear. He's got the strong riding, Jason Lake, and he's proven that he's better than these horses. Blue Solitaire is a nice uh, smoky at $9.230. Just as dramatically, just beat her so fair and square last start. He actually didn't have the favours. I think he's a better horse than Marlborough Bay. The son of Darcy Brahma, so cognito at $1.90. I think it's a fair price for the deserved favourite of the uh, time-honoured Water Cree Stakes for Group 3. Yeah, good stuff, Louis. We should, we should call it filling the beer fridge with Louis Herman What the segment, shouldn't we? Well, well or emptying it. <laughs> Either or, mate. Go well. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll uh, see you tomorrow morning for Brecky, eh? Thanks, Rick. Dog Cheers. Uh, that is the Love Racing update uh, with Louis Herman Rock. Make sure you go and check out Love Racing uh, for all your needs in terms of uh, thoroughbred news. And uh, you can eat, drink, and get racy. Round up your crew and book now for the Grand Tour as well at grandtour.nz. On SENZ, mornings with Ian Smith, Ricardo in for Smithy. Well, he's at the T20 World Cup. Now, uh, from the TAB, uh, you can watch him be live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. A couple of tips for you. Looking ahead to tomorrow, of course, we've had a, uh, a midweek round of Premier League and we've got two games left in that round. And they kick off tomorrow morning. Uh, Fulham versus Villa, that's at 7.30. Now, Fulham are the are at home, the home team. $2.80 they're paying. Uh, 3.30 the draw, Villa at 2.50. Villa haven't been travelling well at all. Ger- uh, Stephen Gerrard's job under threat there. They've been linked to Thomas Tuchel, the former Chelsea manager, Aston Villa. So for me, 2.80 on Fulham is very good money. And in the later game, Leicester taking on Leeds. Leicester did get a point last time out. Leeds haven't won in seven. I think uh, this looks like a, a great game for Leicester to potentially take that win. And they are paying two thirty at home. The draw three fifty. Leeds are paying three dollars. So I'd look at both Fulham and Leicester tomorrow morning if you're looking to have a dig and uh, at the TAB with the EPL tomorrow. I think uh, those are probably both uh, worth looking at. The two home teams. Fulham have certainly been in better form than Villa. Um, so at 280 and at home, I think uh, every chance, every chance. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to give you a chance to win some um, cash from the TAB, uh, a TAB bonus bet with Stumped. So we'll also catch up with uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand's charity run and staff as well. Plus, after the latest in news and sports, Sean West, PGA Tour 2K23 franchise manager from HB Studios, is going to catch up with Logan to talk about their new game. 1476am in Auckland, this is SENZ, it's Kiwi for Sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
three past 11 here on Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo Ball in for him. Will Smithy's away at the World Cup. Coming up this hour, uh, we'll catch up with the Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. Mark Stafford and Sam Hewitt will play stumped and give away a $50 TAB bonus bet or give you an opportunity to win one at least. But earlier today, uh, Logan caught up with a man by the name of Sean West. Now, PGA Tour 2K23 is a new golf game that's out uh, featuring some of the game's biggest stars, including our very own Lydia Ko. Logan caught up with him to talk about what goes into making and supporting a golf game like this, the process between securing those big names and the rights for some of the most recognisable courses in the sport. Welcome to the leaderboard. We're talking PGA Tour 2K23 here on SCNZ and joining us now from HB Studios is franchise manager Sean West. Thanks for your time today. How's everything going there in Nova Scotia? Uh, Not too bad. It's a little bit uh, overcast and rainy here today, but, uh, you know, can't complain when I've got a great golf game on my computer here to play to keep me busy. (laughs) For sure. Uh, And congrats on the launch of the game. How intensive, firstly, has the development cycle been to get here? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's been a lot, a lot's changed in this iteration of the game. The team's done an incredible job bringing a ton of new features and new content to the release of this iteration of PGA Tour 2K23. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's a long road. I think probably 18 to 20 months of development time went into it. Um, I think a lot of, uh, the team has been able to take a sigh of relief. Uh, with the release over the past week. Um, but, you know, we've got a long roadmap as well for the future and post-launch uh, for this product. So still lots of great stuff to come too. Uh, speaking of that, what kind of level of support uh, is the game going to get now that you're in that post-launch phase of the game? Yeah, so we've got uh, some some great features coming post-launch. We announced uh, last week that we're going to be uh, releasing some uh, ranked multiplayer options and also cross-platform play, uh, which is a, a hot topic among our community, and a lot of people are looking for those features. So that's really exciting to be able to share that. Um, we've, we've also got a lot of great content coming uh, with uh, brand partners, uh, additional playable characters, and some fantastic courses coming post-launch too. Nice. I'd love to hear that. Can you get into more of that later? Of course, the big thing there, you look on the cover, you've got Tiger Woods. Uh, how, what kind of impact has, he, has his presence had on the release of the game? Uh, it, it's incredible. You know, Tiger is uh, not only the biggest athlete in golf, but I think arguably in sports in general. Um, he's he's such a world-known icon that it's it's an incredible opportunity to be able to work with him on this product. Um, I think that's brought a lot of motivation to the team to put our best foot forward with this release uh, and continuing on to the future as well. Um, and just taking a look at his career and what it's done for golf has really helped shape some of the decisions that we've made with this release too. Just how much impact has Tiger Woods had uh, on the series so far as like the executive producer and consultant on the series? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I mean, Tiger being able to, to get involved in sharing his likeness, working with him to get scanned and bringing him into the product as a playable character for the first time has been uh, a huge opportunity for us. And, um, what we're able to provide our users with the the release of this game um <clears throat> you know his knowledge of 
of golf is incredible. Um, so you can't really go wrong with anything that he's providing there. Um, you have to just kind of take it in and absorb it. And like I said earlier, I think that just the motivation that comes with working with someone like Tiger is huge for all of us. Along with, you know, you've got Tiger Woods, you've got a lot of recognizable PGA pros, but you're throwing some love to the LPGA too, uh, including New Zealand's very own Lydia Ko. What's the process like there, you know, signing up those players to get their name and likeness into the game? Yeah, I mean, uh, first and foremost, we're a PGA Tour licensed uh, product and and we want to represent the tour as as best as we can. And I think that's shown with the incredible talent that we have uh, as playable characters in this release. Um, But expanding beyond that, we wanted to introduce uh, LPGA tour players as well um we've included lexi thompson brooke henderson homegrown canadian so we we had to go there um and then lydia co um all at the top of their game right now playing fantastic um so i I think we made some great decisions there um beyond that we also had a great opportunity to work with michael jordan and steph curry too so um trying to bring a wide range of uh different characters to the product to really expand uh the audience that we're reaching and the options that you have in game when you're you're jumping in there and playing with those characters. Um, so it's been fantastic for, for us to have that opportunity to work with PGA Tour pros, um, LPGA Tour pros, and other celebrities too. You mentioned that you're looking to add more post-launch in terms of playable uh, characters and uh, pros. With that relationship with PGA Tour, could we see the likes of uh, golfers that are on the DP World Tour or on the Tour Champions uh, Tour included in the game in the future? I uh, don't want to dive in too much uh, on that topic yet. Still, uh, I don't want to be the one to spoil the releases of uh, upcoming characters. Um, there's quite a, a few names that we're excited to be able to add to this uh, over the next year or so, uh, though. So um, definitely keep an eye out for uh those over the next few months as we uh, finalize those relationships. Oh, tease. I like the tease. That's awesome. Uh, Now, of course, there's a a big thing going on in golf right now with the divide between the PGA Tour and you've got, you know, the players defecting over to live golf. Did those kind of real world events create any speed bumps along the way with the game's development this time around? Uh, no, you know, working with PGA Tour has been an incredible experience. They've been fantastic partners uh, to work with, along with the, the players that we have. Um, you know, it's it's where the best players in the world are playing. You you can just look at the roster that we have in this game to um, really credit that and and kind of prove that we've we've got the best in the business. Uh, there and playing on the tour um so i mean we're aware of it haven't paid too much attention um we're really happy with the relationships we've got and and what we're able to do with that in this game now i saw that you've progressed your own career through uh hb studios uh working on various sports titles is golf one of the more harder games to create assimilation of I would say, uh, well, I guess I have a, a, a biased opinion there. I think for me, golf is something I grew up playing. I, I understand the sport, obviously, not nearly as much as a professional, but I've put a lot of time into it in my spare time. Um, I've got a passion for playing golf and video games. So having an opportunity to combine those two things together has has really made uh, the last few releases of this a, a 
give you a, a challenging experience, but very rewarding. And um, yeah, I think it's helped me significantly in being able to understand the two pieces. Now, I imagine recording commentary uh, for a sports video game can be quite a tricky process. Are you able to explain uh, to us how that works and I guess just the, the level of scripting that's involved there? Uh, yeah, so I haven't been uh, directly involved with the commentary uh, for this, but I, I do talk very often with our, our audio team and have a, a loose understanding of, of what they do. But, um, our audio designer, John McCarthy, who you actually hear in the game in our casual modes as well, um, creates a very high level script of the things that we want to see and hear throughout the career uh, experience. Uh, and then we work with the incredible talent of uh, Luke Elvey, Rich Beam, and uh, Henny Koyak. And they really take that high level information and riff on it and just pump out line after line after line that we can then take and pull back into the game. So working with professionals that do live commentating for golf events in in real life has been a huge help to the authenticity of the game. And it's also made our lives very easy uh, with them being able to pull so much information from their heads and, and riff on what we're looking for. Now, uh, for me personally, my career is probably my favorite mode in the game, and I spent a lot of hours on it in uh, 2K21. Like, I, I love the idea of being able to start in Q school, and then you go to the Corn Ferry Tour, and then you get your PGA Tour card. For you, what hopes do you hold for the future of my career? Where do you want to see it go? That's a great question. I, I think my career has a, a ton of room to grow. I, I think the, the sky is really the limit. You look at other sports games and, and NBA 2K in particular, um, what they do with their career, the story behind it and how they really pull you into that experience. I, I really hope that one day we can get to that point. Um, I'm not sure how far away we are from something like that, but I think there's a lot of room for us to grow and continue to build on the engagement of the the my career mode. Uh, one thing that's quite big in the trailers when you look up PGA Two K uh, Twenty Three is the customization. Uh, and but I noticed when I was creating my player, uh, there was a bit of a lack of you know face and body customization options there that were that I think were there in Two K Twenty One, including changing the weight and the body shape of player like I like to make my guy look like me I'm not a skinny tall guy by any means um is there will we see future uh, improvements and updates in the game to sort of create more customization available to the players yeah I think there is an unfortunate side effect to some of the decisions that that we made with this iteration we uh completely overhauled our my player character for uh this release uh to uh improve the visual quality that we're able to bring to this product and also the quality of animations that came along with it. Um, so hopefully you'll notice when you're playing the, the game um, this year over 2K21, there's a pretty significant leap in the quality of visual presentation, both from the look of the my player and how they're actually swinging in the club and reacting to their shots. Um, so starting from that kind of ground up rework, we've had to cut some things out of there. Um, but definitely as we continue to progress this franchise, we expect to see those things come back and not only that continue to improve on top of it. I, I mean, I've definitely noticed that the game feels really smooth playing on the uh, Xbox series X and you can notice that jump uh, to the next generation of graphics. But for you, 
what have been some of your favorite uh, improvements and additions to the game? Uh I think uh, there's been a lot. I think the just generally really pleased with what the team has been able to do on the content content side and um, the amount of customization that we're able to bring. I think the progression elements in the my player have been uh, a welcomed addition from a lot of our community. Really uh, creating more of a uh, long tail experience for you to progress through your career and continue to get better as you play more. Um, Beyond that, adding playable characters and working with the the pro golfers has been uh, huge for us. Um, and getting our first course outside of North America was a big win as well with the Renaissance Club. So really excited that we've been able to expand to Europe for courses. And in the future, hopefully we continue to expand in that area. Nice. Now, it's a small change, but I, I love the inclusion of caddies. Uh, into this game. It, to me, it feels like it just adds to the overall golf experience. Speaking, you know, to that, how critical, you mentioned the audio team before, how critical is just the sound of golf for your team when creating PGA Tour 2K23? Yeah, it's 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 very important. I think anyone who's been out on a golf course can appreciate how peaceful it, it can be, um, other than maybe when you hit a few bad shots and you're cursing at yourself. But uh, it it the the audio that goes along with it, from you know the sound of hitting the golf ball, the birds chirping in the background, or the wind blowing. Uh, there's a lot of elemental pieces that go into immersing you in that environment, um, and I, I think the audio team's gonna gone and done a fantastic job of that as well now you, you mentioned that you've played golf a lot through your life uh personally i've i've played a lot of video game golf through my life so as much as i enjoy the immersion of the analog swing stick uh with the controls adding the three click swing for me was a really big thing in this game but i've noticed hb studios added their own little twist on how it works how did that all come together in development um you know three click was um a lot of people hated the word. They they cursed it for a long time. We we avoided doing three click, um, but this time around, we really felt we needed to add a an additional swing type to the game. And um, you know, three click was the next step. Um, when we talked about it more and more, though, we didn't really feel like the traditional experience that you you might have seen in older sport. Um, sorry, older golf games was really what we needed in this release. Um, so we, and we wanted to find something that was as comparable as possible to the swing stick when, when putting them together head to head. Um, so I, I think the, the press and hold mechanic and then um, the two clicks afterwards uh, help bring the competition of those closer to a level playing field and um, really, uh, add a nice twist to what that experience is like, uh, adds a bit of flair to what people are used to. And I mean, from what I've seen so far, I think most people are pretty pleased with uh, what we've brought to the table. Amongst the, like the official licensed courses that are in the game, do you have a favorite that you like to play? Uh, I think this year it would have to be Renaissance club. Um, it, it's such a unique course for us. Um, we, we've taken some, sorry, it had some uh, technical uh, challenges to it with pop bunkers and certain things we haven't done in the past. Uh, I think just overall link style course is very interesting. Um, not a lot of those over here. Uh, so it's, it's great to be able to play that in the game and, and be able to get access to a course, you know, that would be extremely difficult for me to get to in, in real life. 
Uh, and just finally from me, you being a fan of golf yourself, is there a golf course out there that's like on the top of your bucket list of courses that you'd like to bring into the game officially? Yeah, and we're actually planning to uh, have it in post-launch, and that is uh, Pebble Beach. Um, I think the the seventh hole there playing into the, towards the ocean is one of the most incredible views in, in golf. So I'm really excited that our team's working towards uh, bringing that course to the game. Um, and hopefully playing it in the game, I also get a chance to eventually head out there in real life as well. Yeah, that would be sick. I mean, I love playing like Sawgrass, but Pebble Beach, that is... That is huge. I look forward to that. Uh, Sean West, HB Studios, thank you so much for your time uh, and all the best for the rest of the game. Thanks for having me, Logan. Great to talk to you. Voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Twenty-five past eleven here on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Ricardo and for Smithy and uh, in the studio actually is uh, Sammy Hewitt getting getting warmed up. Uh, Sam for uh, for Steph's big show the Savo the big show yeah. 12 to 3, Ricardo, because we've got Phoenix Nation from 3 to 4. That's right. I'm looking so forward to that, I'll be, mate. I'll be hanging around the office like a bad smell until that happens. Yes. Um, just before we get to um, what's on over the week in Spark Sport, we're actually starting today our greatest TV characters of all time official bracket. Oh, really? Um, so our top 32 okay. going head to head, we will find ourselves just one winner. But who would you, off the top of your head, put in, a, put in sort of a top four? TV characters. Yes. Um, I think you've probably got to go with uh, Michael Knight from Knight Rider. He's not even in there. there. He's not even in the 32. What about Fonzie? He's in there. Okay, Fonzie's in there. Good. Okay. Uh, And if we're going a little bit uh, more recent, what about Tyrion Lannister? No Game of Thrones characters. Yeah. What? And I think that was Steph's bias because he absolutely hates Game of Thrones and always talks about that on on air. Has he even watched Game of Thrones? No. He doesn't like like anything fantasy. Right. He's a very specific TV watcher. He doesn't like anything fantasy and he doesn't like any period. So you can't watch Peaky Blinders because he doesn't like period drama. Right. So yeah, look, he just, he's a hard man to please old Steph, but it was listener voted the 32. So um, if they didn't feature there, it's their own fault. Um, Number one seed going in, Tony Soprano. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Tony Soprano, plenty yes, of definitely, yeah, definitely up there, definitely up. But now um, we should talk. Of course, Spark Sport this weekend is plenty going on. We saw this morning the Rugby League World Cup. I've been loving that. Uh, yes. Cook Islands getting up over the Welsh, coming from behind to win that one. Yeah, not bad actually. Um, we were talking about it just outside the um, the Welsh team, obviously full of Super League players. Um, but the but the Cook Islands team is sort of there's a few sneaky names in there. I was actually just having a look before. Um, Anthony Gelling, people remember, was at the Warriors, a bit of a larrikin. Um, they've got Kale Edo as their Fullback, who's of course Kevin Edo's son. Um, he's at the Sharks, isn't he? He's at the Sharks, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And he got a couple of games at the back end of the season for them and, and by all measures a very impressive talent. Um, they've got the Masters brothers. Um, they've got Tepai Moira from uh, the Storm. Pride Peterson Rapati, who's a, a warrior. Um, Dominic Peru, the former warrior. Yeah. And uh, Zane Tedavado, Brad Takarangi. So they've got you know, a couple of names in there, Ricardo. They're not going to yeah. beat a, you know, Samoa, Tonga, New Zealand, England type thing, but, they, but they'll get the wins over the Wales. And Do you think they could beat PNG? That is going to be a great game. Me and Kim talking about this. It's going to be a very, very good game. Um, no, I think PNG are actually a very good side. And, and it, what, Tonga did play poorly the other day, but I think PNG really showed that they've got something to, to bring to the World Cup too. So that'll be a fascinating fixture. What's, I, I have to look up the TAB odds for that one because it should be 
relatively close. Um, so you talked Rugby League World Cup. Of course, we've got all of that on Spark over the weekend. Um, Australia, Scotland on Saturday morning at 7.20 if you want to get up and watch uh, Nathan Cleary in the uh, in the seven jersey taking over from DCE. Um, yeah, probably just I a bit of a trial. A, f- a few changes. I think uh, who else is in? Nathan Cleary's in, Liam Martin's in, Isaiah Yeo's in, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Burton, Campbell Graham and Lindsay Collins also yeah. get a debut. And they're all just, I mean... That could be a starting Aussie side any other day of the week type thing. You yeah, know? It's, totally. It's, it's funny that that's their B team. So if you want to see them in action, um, Saturday morning at 7.20, which is a pretty decent time. Um, we've got Fiji, Italy, Sunday morning. It's an early one at 2.20. And then uh, England, France at 4.50. Probably think England are going to get the job done. And then yeah. New Zealand, Jamaica uh, is at 7.20 on Sunday morning on Spark. It's a friendly um, time. It is, and look, Jamaica, if, if Ireland can put 40-odd points on them uh, and miss six conversions, I think the Kiwis could do uh, a bit of a number. And uh, Joey Manu, top try scorer for the tournament, he'll, uh, he'll be staking his claim. Um, so that's, that's your Rugby League World Cup action over the weekend. Um, one that might interest you, Ricardo, I'm not sure if you're a big motorhead, but uh, Formula One, at the very friendly time, given that it's up in the US, uh, Texas, it's the uh, United States Grand Prix. Um, we've got qualifying and practice all over the weekend. Um, generally, it's in the morning. Um, and then the race is on Monday morning at 6.30. Um, that's the build-up. I think the race time is at 7, which is fine. You know, yeah. you're waking up for work on a Monday morning, and it's Labor Day. So it's, for most people, it's a public holiday. Yeah, but most, pe- most people. Most people, not us, mate. We're, not us. we're hard workers. But 10 till 2, I'm doing on Labor oh, Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a tough shift. That's that a is. tough shift. But um, you'll have Formula 1 Grand Prix to talk about. That That's is true. Good news. That, yeah. that, that is good news. That is good news. Uh, it'll be Max Verstappen's to lose, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, it will be. Um, he's obviously already won the Drivers' Championship. The Constructors' Championship still up for grabs, but Red Bull can seal the deal. If you know, get a one-two or a couple of podiums, then um, then they'll be uh, in the driver's seat. No pun intended. Oh, look at uh, what he did there. <laughs> the driver's seat. Oh, yes. I'm, uh, I'm sparking up here. And, um, <laughs> of course, Women's Rugby World Cup. And I always leave that to last because it's the best part. Yeah. Um, New Zealand v Scotland, 4.15 on Saturday. Uh, we've got Australia v Wales is a bit earlier on, if you if you fancy that one. Um, France, Fiji. But the one that um, Steph's really looking forward to, and he obviously is a big uh, women's rugby nut, 2.45 on Sunday, Spark Sport, Canada v USA. Oh, yeah, the North yeah. American derby. The North American derby. Canada's a very good team. I think they're ranked third or fourth yep. in the world. Yep. They're, you know, I, th- I think they were they were even ranked ahead of France at the TAB. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that was interesting. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that Wales-Australia game. Yeah, I reckon. Because, yeah, the, the winner of that gets second. Oh, right? okay. And, yep. and the Aussies are missing a couple because they had two red cards in their last game against Scotland. They only yeah. just held on in that one. Yeah, okay. So but ramifications for that game. Yeah. We're going to find out who's in second. So, yeah, all the all the Women's World Cup on Spark over the weekend. And, look, if you want to dip your toes in something else, of course, the NFL is going to be on Spark on Monday morning. Um, there's some NBA games as well sprinkled throughout the weekend. Um, so it's a good time. I've said this before. It's a good time just to, to dabble in Spark sport, get yourself an account. No term... So you can sign up for a month if you just want the Rugby League World Cup or whatever. Um, but do they you know, still do that seven day free still trial? Still do a seven day free trial. Yeah. So um, give it give it a shout and uh, and see if it's for you. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Thanks, Sam. Good luck with the show this afternoon. Uh, now it is time for you to ring me. Oh eight hundred one five. 811 0800 uh, because uh, we're going to play Stumps shortly. Your chance to win a $50 TAB bonus bet if you reckon uh, you can get past me and answer three questions correctly from the sport of your choice. Leia will do that right after this. The latest in news and sport with Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
Yes, pad up and grab your bat. It's time to get stumped on SNZ Mornings with Ricardo Ball, who's stepping up in place of Ian Smith while Smithy is on World Cup commentary duty. All the best, mate. Hope you're travelling safe on your way across the ditch. Of course, now, Ricardo, you in the hot seat. The keeping gloves and pads have been renovated a little bit, noticing some black and some flames for speed. You ready to go? <laughs> ready to go, mate. Ready to go. I've been practising my uh, my Peter Schmeichel um, star jump saves like he did in the handball. <laughs> so it's a different type of keeper. I almost thought for a second there you uh, might be trying to be the grey wiggle. <laughs> no. No, 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 we won't go that far. We won't go that far. All right, well, up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet. And first at the crease, we've got Scott from Wellington. Come in, mate. Morning, Logan. Morning, Ricardo. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. You? Yeah, good, thank you. That's a story, mate. That's a story. What's your uh, What's your go-to sport? What's your favourite sport? Oh, it would be football. You're a football man? All right. I don't know. I don't, oh, know, yeah. what, I don't know what the boys have got lined up, but uh, are you tuning in uh, this afternoon at three for Phoenix Nation? <laughs> I will. I will be. It's 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 a good show. I'm, I'm glad you guys have started doing that. Yeah, good. Oh, thanks. That's good, mate. Well, we've got uh, Ufuk Tello. We've got the boss man on this week, so uh, hopefully you enjoy that. Jan, let me know if you've got anything you want me to ask Ufi before uh, before that starts. Nice, nice. No, looking forward to that. I heard you say. I heard uh, Ricardo say. Uh, not Ricardo. Um, Steffi say that yesterday. So looking forward to that. Smooth plug, Ricardo. Smooth plug. Hey, thanks, plug. mate. That's what I'm all about. All right, Scott. You know how the game works. These are your categories to choose from today. The NBL, the EPL, or the T20 Cricket World Cup. Take your pick. Oh, I've got to, I've got to take Ricardo on at the EPL. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Because uh, no doubt... Ricardo was sending messages to Smithy about how uh, his Man United <laughs> bet Tottenham this morning. All right, first question for you, Scott. Erlen Haaland has scored the most EPL goals so far this season with 15. How insane is that? Who is second on that list? Uh, Harry Kane. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, Hurricane, or as they say on another show I used to work on, he blew the bloody doors off. <laughs> Indeed, he did. <laughs> he has nine goals to his name. Congrats, Scott. You're still alive. Second question. Five players have earned five yellow cards each this season. Which one of those... Oh, which with one of those, sorry, being a Manchester United player, name that player. Oh... Uh, oh, oh, um, Fernandez? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Now, Ricardo, you're a Manchester United fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to preface this by saying I will be bitterly disappointed if you get this wrong. Yeah, Scott McTominay. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot. Missed the, the, miss the game goes. against Newcastle because of it. Ah, well, look at, look at that. And, uh, well, it seems like our callers have disappeared <laughs> off the board. So you know what, Scott? Stay on the line there, mate. I'm going to give you an extra life. Oh, there you go. We're one we're one and one, mate. It's all down to this. Sudden death, Scott. Oh, thank you. After this morning from my team, I'm, I'm happy for something to be going my way, at least. <laughs> Who's your team? Uh, Everton. Oh, yeah. It's been a tough season. Well, a couple of tough 10 years, really, to be, to be fair. <laughs> It has. It has. No, no shots again on target this morning, two games in a row. So, All right. 
Last question for you, Scott. $50 TAB bonus bet on the line here. Leicester City sit in last uh, last place with one win and five points. They have scored only 15 goals this season. How many goals have Rick's Manchester United put in the net? Uh, One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ricardo. 15. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. That's 15. Because oh. they scored two this morning. Oh, there we go. We've got the quiz master in the background quickly updating his notes, do we? Yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. He's beavering away. So I guess that means, well, Ricardo, you stumped him. Yeah, sorry, Scott. Un- unlucky, mate. They, they, they gave you two questions that I definitely knew the answer to. I know, that's the problem when you go that way. If it's your team, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, it does, mate. It does. Uh, well, go well, mate. Uh, tomorrow morning... Uh, Leicester take on Leeds, Fulham take on Villa. Who you got? I, th- I think what you were saying earlier are correct. I think both home teams will win that. Um, yeah. Leeds are struggling. I think uh, you know. I think it's going to be a struggle for Villa as well at the moment. So, but I've got to say, I don't mind if it's uh, Stephen Gerrard getting sacked. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on that one, mate. To be fair, uh, it's just a bit of a worry if they the, if Villa do manage to rope Thomas Tuchel in because that could make them a bit of a threat. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one if they do. Um, you know, it'll be a big coup for them as well. Yeah, it'll be massive. Absolutely huge for them if they get that done. All right, mate. Uh, good luck uh, for the weekend. Have a good one. Uh, you reckon the Phoenix can get it done in Newcastle? Yeah, I think I think they can. Um, you know, I think they've just... If they can convert their chances, I think they'll take take it over there. If they can go over and nick a 1-0, be happy with that. Then Wayne, get in there and score another one. Yeah, the Wayne train, mate. Toot toot, he's on the way. Uh, apparently the Phoenix turned down a, an offer from Millwall for him uh, in the off-season, so I reckon his, his value's only going up. Oh, exactly, exactly. I mean, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me, unfortunately, at the end, end of the season if he does get picked up. And, you know, disappointing for the Phoenix, but obviously great for him at the same time and, and, and great for the all White. Yeah, indeed. Good stuff, Scott. Go well, mate. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, Scott. Uh, unlucky, unlucky. The he took on the master at, 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 at his at his chosen sport. Yeah, sure did. But so it means tomorrow playing for a hundred dollar TAB bonus bet. Well, that'll so be good for the weekend for someone's account. That depends if they win or if you win. Well, that is true. That is true. Maybe chuck another EPL in there again and see how we go. We'll see. I think we just eased you into it because it's your first day uh, <laughs> covering for Smithy, mate. We just wanted to ease you and make you feel good about yourself. You're being nice to me. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, tomorrow might not be so easy. All right, okay. A couple of texts that uh, have come through. Uh, been a PGA 2K23, amazing so far, much more challenging than previous editions. Thanks, Mark. And uh, Brenton, we can get. Uh, can we get a 2K rugby game? I just don't know if, that's, if it's a big enough sport. <laughs> like, no, I, mean, I say that worldwide, thinking like you know, you've got to talk American audiences, uh, mm-hmm. really, and I, I just don't know that there's uh, there'll be the audience for it, Logan. Yeah, uh, potentially. Uh, HB Studios have done rugby games in the past. They're actually they were responsible for the much beloved Rugby 08. Uh, they also did the Rugby World Cup uh, 2011 win, which of course is the one that was in uh, New Zealand. But uh, I mean, never say never. I mean, rugby is definitely, what, it's got to be one of the hardest games to replicate as a video game because of 
you know, the rules, the physics, everything that is going on there and the breakdown and malls and scrums, it'd be very complicated to uh, program, I would imagine. Yeah, it wouldn't be that complicated. You get to a you get to a ruck and you just do what the referees do, toss a coin as to which way you're going to give a penalty. <laughs> That's why I'd rather have a really decent rugby league game. I just feel like it's a, just slightly, I, I don't want to say simplified, you know, no disrespect to rugby league. I love rugby league. But I feel like in terms of, Bringing it into the digital realm as a video game, I just feel like it might be a little bit easier. I think you're right, though. I think it is. It's a simpler game. Mm. It's easier to understand. It's not been complicated. I mean, you know, if you go back a few years, and I've said this before, if you just left rucking in the game, it would have solved all of their problems because all <laughs> of their problems have come from trying to tidy up the ruck now that you can't ruck people out of the way. Yeah, now it's all on headshots. Yeah, exactly. So I think rugby league's it's a lot better product, a lot easier to understand if you're if you're new to the sport and generally speaking, uh, better action as well um, from a spectator's point of view. Anyway, it is 18 away from midday. Uh, coming up, we are going to catch up uh, with a uh, Greyhound Racing in New Zealand tip for the charity run. We're going to do that. We're going to catch up also with Mark Stafford and find out what's on this afternoon. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. 13 away from 12 o'clock here on SCNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Ricardo in for Smithy. He is away uh, at the Cricket World Cup and over in Aussie uh, for the next three and a half weeks. Uh, but we are... Um, Joining, uh, tr- trying to raise funds for four New Zealand charities with the Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run. All thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. And uh, I think our charity, Logan, am I correct, is Women's Refuge for the Greyhound charity run? That is correct. Same Good. as uh, Peace and for Purpose. Yeah, right. Okay. So all thanks to Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Here's what we're looking at for uh, the Greyhounds. Uh, today at five o'clock, or one minute past five actually, at Addington, race three, number three. Race three, number three, Zipping Tracker. Zipping Tracker is uh, the dog that uh, we're tipping out for that race, and that's this afternoon at Addington. And, of course, any money won on uh, the picks that we uh, do here for Greyhound uh, Racing New Zealand's charity run, then go back uh, to the charity. So go to Women's Refuge, for example. So Addington, race three at uh, 5.01, and we're talking dog number three, Zipping Tracker, paying three fifty the win and $1.30 the place. Had uh, the last five starts, it's podiumed every time. Two wins, two seconds, and third. Looks like a, a, a decent go um, for our uh, Greyhound. Hound Racing charity run dog this week. You can tune into SENZ every Sunday actually from midday for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show as well, hosted by Greyhound experts Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. You won't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed Show. When we come back, Mark Stafford's going to join us. We'll have a look at what's coming up this afternoon on SENZ. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.